Broadcasting live from Takanuma, abandoned mire on the plain of Kamigawa. This is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome everybody to Tap Tap Concede. My name is Graham. Joining me is Cameron huh? and Nelson. Uh. And today we're talking about a whole bunch of different stuff, which we will get to very shortly after reminding you, of course, that this show is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Please check out cardkingdom.com slash LRR for all of your card buying needs. They've got great prices, excellent customer service, and exceedingly fast shipping. And they'll ship it to you anywhere in the world. And you can tell them, uh, Loading Ready Run sent me, button please, and they'll give you a little one-inch button, which currently still says, Hi Roll, I'm Dad. And <laughs> more more buttons to come. Uh, and of course, this show and everything we do is brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. So... Uh, there's been a whole crate of new secret layers just uh, fallen upon us, and we'll talk about those uh, nearer to the end of the show. And uh, some, <laughs> a couple strange like side sidebar stories about you know vaguely, I guess we could put it under the umbrella of finance. Uh, but first, let's just talk about Kamigawa Limited in general. Um, you know, we're another week into it. Uh, how how are you enjoying the format so far? Uh still really really love it even though i'm continuing my tradition of uh opening like four red rares and having a grand total <coughs> of five red cards in my pool oh like in sealed yeah yeah I, it's the heart at, ask me about the heartbreak of sealed pool i i opened one last night i opened a sealed pool uh that the rares i'm actually just going to pull it up so i can make sure that I get this right. The the rares were um, right. Kotose, the silent spider, and Satoru Umizawa. So both of the Demir <laughs> colored rares. Uh, and then the other four were like Boros, like uh, Kyodai, the 3-3 Flash Dragon. Okay. Um, Fable that which was taken Dragon, yeah. Yeah, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, uh, Goro Goro, and March of Otherworldly Light. So it's like, okay, so I'm either blue black or red white, but not both. It's like, I can't, I'm not running, I'm not splashing some of this. Um, ended up, uh, ended up in the red white because uh, the black in this particular pool was very bad. But boy, um, have you have you just fallen even more in love with the life of Toshiro Umezawa? It's very good. It's so efficient. <laughs> I know, and like bouncing it back with um, with a ninjutsu creature. Although it does have a little bit of difficulty getting in there. Mm. I don't. I guess uh, players have wised up to leaving sagas unblocked. Yeah, it was a real first week play, right? What are we what, at time of recording? It's day nine since the the arena release, so yeah, everyone's kind of getting used to the common extra value tricks or whatever, right? Like if you attack with life of just of uh, Tashiro and another three three, they're like, no, no, we'll just we'll just trade my three two for this saga. That's yeah. that's the better play. Yes, yeah. Um. Uh, what else was I going to say? I, can't I I played in the midweek magic event, which Nelson, I saw you talk about. Yeah, I, w I, I saw the description, like I read the description for midweek magic and it just wasn't covered. So it was, it was left up to interpretation. That's totally fine. You get one draft entry, it's free, and then you play as many games as you want. Um, and then you get some small prizes like you always do with midweek magic. It's free to play and you know, there's a small price. Yeah. Um, but from the description, I thought maybe we'd get to resign like a normal draft queue and then just jump back in and keep trying oh. different draft strategies. I thought they were going to let us do that for two or three days, just like stress test the, the bot draft. That would have been sweet. And no prizes, but just let us phantom draft like a hundred times um, for the first couple days a week yeah. into the set. And I thought that would be not... Like, I don't think it would break the arena economy or anything. You know, like, people play the matches to get prizes. Like, mm -hmm. there might be some people who, if you had that option all the time, they would just never play a single game. They would just draft and be like, hmm, it's a seven. You know, and then they would resign and play again. But I think my usual plan would be draft, 
and then play one game. And if I was like, okay, confirmed this deck was broken, it was really good, or it was really bad, then resign immediately and play another one. But I would definitely play one game every time just to confirm my suspicions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if it was in the middle, I'd be like, okay, let's play this out. Let's get to two wins with this deck, or at least play. let's play three games with this deck because I was relying on a synergy and I want to play until I get both cards in at the same time and to find out how good that was. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like that would be like a cool short-term gift to the players that wouldn't break the bank or anything. So hmm. I was yeah. slightly disappointed. The uh, the event, just to be clear, was that a uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty phantom bot draft. So you don't get to keep any of the cards and you're not drafting with other people, but then you just play until you get sick of it and if you get three wins then you the prize you get like a card and then another card and then the 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 grand prize for three wins was a random cosmetic from all of arena that you don't have i got a borderless <coughs> kaya the inexorable <laughs> I, random I, I got full border norika uh yamazaki oh okay cool yeah. um the but yeah i i mean i just played a bunch of it because I was like, I'm just going to keep playing games of draft that have absolutely no stakes. Because I, I drafted like a red-black artifacts deck, which, by the way, the red-black artifacts deck is a fun deck in this format. Really? Oh, okay. yeah. So, um, Oni Cult Anvil. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the signpost uncommon for the for the, for the the deck. Uh, it's, it's very cool. So it's two mana? Three, yeah, so it's black-red for an artifact. Whenever one or more artifact you control, whenever one or more artifacts you control leave the battlefield during your turn, you make a one-one colorless construct, and that only happens once per turn. And then tap and sack an artifact. Oni called Anvil deals one damage to each opponent, and you and you gain one life. So I I was in situations where like uh, facing this deck, I had a situation where my opponent was just like we were at like a deadlock, but every turn they would just sack their construct to their anvil and so they just make another construct and drain me for one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right which is just like a simple thing but also um they had like uh sokenzan smelter which is a 2-2 goblin that at the beginning of combat on your turn you can pay one and sack an artifact to make a 3-1 artifact mm-hmm. with trample and haste does it have trample i think maybe it just, just has, has haste. haste maybe it's just, just a 3-1 haste. with haste but the smelter doesn't say non-token Yes. So, uh, and they had the Tawashi Song Shaper, which is the two-two for one and a red. That whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, it gets plus one plus zero. The DJ. Yeah. Okay. So, the uh, is it Sokenzan Smelter? Maybe it's a a different name for it. I think that's right. Isn't it Sokenzan Smelter? I'm not sure. It's a red two-two goblin. Yeah, Sokenzan Smelter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one and a red two-two goblin artificer. Yeah. Uh, yes, the, the construct only has haste. Uh, so it was like they go to combat, they sack this one one from the Oni Cult Anvil. Uh, they get they get a three one that enters the battlefield. The Oni Cult Anvil replaces the one one that enters the battlefield. So the Song Shaper is a four two. This three one's also attacking me. Uh, then they can like do something with their anvil to to drain me for one. Or like if I block one, then they sack it with the anvil to drain me. Like it was just this ridiculous like this rules yeah no it was sweet it's 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 a very very cool deck um Mm. uh rabbit battery is a much stronger card than it looks this is a single mana for a one one haste artifact creature equipment rabbit Mm -hmm. and the equipped creature gets plus one plus one importantly the equipped creature gets plus one plus one and haste Uh oh okay so you're as the game goes on you're just like play this creature put a rabbit on it hit you with it yeah, haste is like a little better in this format than I can rem- can generally remember it being in other formats, and or maybe it's just that this is like a better enabler than we've usually seen. Rabbit the, battery uh, punches high above its weight. Yeah, the ca- the call time equipment that gave haste, or the throne one. Like I believe there's a second mana in there somewhere. Did call time have one red equipment, one red to attach haste? There's been boots of speed in AFR uh, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this one's, one's better than all of those because it's yes. also just a one-one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it can also just attack on turn one. Uh, and then there's also um, the Patchwork Automaton, which is a two-mana one-one artifact creature with Ward two. And whenever you cast an artifact spell, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. 
So you've got that and the Tawashi Song Shaper. Now, importantly, these are different effects. Patchwork is when you cast an artifact. Tawashi Song Shaper is when an artifact enters the battlefield. So they don't always trigger at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But but either slash both of those combined with Reinforced Ronin, which is the 2-2 two, two for one red with like kind of automatic dash that like it's got haste, but at the end of turn, you return it to your hand. Dash right? only. Yeah, mm. uh, but then you can channel it later. So it's like you, you just keep playing an artifact <laughs> every turn and make your other creatures larger. Like there, it is a highly synergistic deck. Yeah, yeah this, get, I need to go and put this together, actually. Getting to play Patchwork Reinforced Ronin is pretty fun. Yeah, it's super fun. Uh, and then there's other stuff like... Um, Runaway Trash Bot, but that only works on creatures in your graveyard, so it's, like, not as good, but, like... You're playing it. Circuit Mender's an artifact that's just very good. Iron Apprentice, it's the 1-1 one, one for 1 that when it... It's the Star Pupil, right? It's 1-1 one, one for 1 that when it dies, you put its mm -hmm. counter mm -hmm. on something else. Um, Papercraft Decoy, when it leaves play, you pay 2 and draw a card is okay. But, yeah. Right. It's, uh, it's very, very cool. Uh, oh... I was just looking through the artifacts and it reminded me I saw actually more relevant for most people ninjas kunai talk about an equipment or any card punching way above its weight mm -hmm. this card is better than it looked it's way better than it looks one mana artifact equipment one mana to equip the equipped creature has for one mana and tap and sacrifice the kunai it deals three damage to any target. But in this set, it's so much better than like a sorcery for three mana that says like tap a creature, deal three damage to something. I mean, that sounds pretty bad anyway, yeah. but but putting that in colorless is like not that bad. Like say there was a Strixhaven, you know, lesson that was three generic, tap a creature you control, deal three damage to any target. That would probably be playable still, but the fact that you're modifying things and you're casting an artifact and you have an extra artifact in play that might have some flexibility in this red-black deck, yeah, so right. nice. That's the thing is that it's it's small. It modifies a creature. Compare it to Silver Bolt from Midnight Hunt, which was one to cast and then three to to deal three damage. Also, this goes face. Yeah, yep. goes face. Buffs Trash Bot at instant speed. <laughs> yeah, it does too. You're right. Oh, I like um, this. Yeah, and then briefly, I just wanted to tell uh, tell a tale because I know that Cam would appreciate it. Of um, uh, I think I posted about this on our Slack actually, but. Um, I was watching Kenji stream, and his opponent, his poor opponent, had Mech Titan Core, oh, um, yeah. which is it's the two four vehicle for two, and for five mana, and then you exile the Mech Titan Core and four other artifacts. Ar sorry, artifact creatures and or vehicles you control, not, not just artifacts. just moxes. You can't just yeah. exile your moxes, yeah. Uh, and then you create the Mech Titan, which is the legendary ten ten. It's got Flying, Vigilance, Trample, Lifelink, and Haste. And when that token leaves the battlefield, you return all the other cards that you exiled with it, except the core, to the battlefield. Um, so five mana, exile the Mech Titan core, exile four other things. That is an ability uh, that could be countered with the crab. Mm -hmm. So Kenji kept up crab mana. This is Mirror Shell Crab, is it? Um, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, channel for two and a blue, discard mirror shell crab, counter target spell or ability, unless its controller pays three. So his opponent exiled Mech Titan Core, exiled four other artifact creatures, mm -hmm. and that was it. They just went away. Mm -hmm. And that's not even the only common blue answer to Mech Titan Core. Like the completion will also do it. That's true. In white, at common, you have the Intercessor's Arrest. Um, so those are probably the three best ones it can be beaten <laughs> yeah absolutely and i mean these are those three cards even beat it without them having a chance to kind of get anything back oh right there's a second white one too it's just more mana intensive if you have the moth rider patrol um mm. you can pay for and i so yeah i've lost i've lost my mech titan core to, uh or my mech titan token has like lost a game to both of those white commons now nice. um the crab might be the most stylish one so props to kenji for getting in there with the crab claws it's just because the thing doesn't resolve and everything just goes away and it's like oh, yeah well. it's maybe the most debilitating whereas if, it, if there's one of the enchantments on it or the enemy sagging down with the creature you're like okay okay i can drop my enchant removal i can kill that one one it's just a yeah. one one we're gonna get through this whereas the the countering the ability is like oh all my stuff is in the exile zone yeah. i just paid five mana to throw all <coughs> that stuff away. yeah no that's oh. brutal and the crab is just like in the graveyard with a knife 
That's true. <laughs> Speaking of of cool vehicles, um, and also stuff that maybe are better than they looked initially, high speed hover bike is an interesting one. It's two two vehicle mm-hmm. for two. With flash and flying. It's only crew one. Cam is you vigorously nodding. When high speed hover bike enters the battlefield, tap up to one target creature. Have you experienced either side of this? Oh yeah, I've gotten people with this. Slaps roof of hover bike. You can fit so many ninjas in here. Yeah. It just like uh battle against the clown intensifies. Right, whenever this <laughs> this this gets passed to me. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. Yeah, always sleeving this up. Nice. I just watched Adam this morning draft three of them. And his chat was like, how many hover bikes is too many? And everyone was like, no, no, just cut every other vehicle before this one. Cause he was going kind of blue white vehicles or yeah. no, sorry, black white. He had a grease fang, right? Um, we drafted a deck yesterday on LRR MTG that had two Satoru Umazawas. Um, and all we wanted to do was ninjutsu in a walking skyscraper. Did you have the skyscraper? Yeah, yeah. Nice. That's all we wanted to do. We didn't quite get there. We did. We did ninjutsu in a mirror shell crab, which was a big surprise. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I I just lost a game last night to my opponent's Satoru because I I wasn't respecting this possibility. In the first week, I had Satoru once, and I played against at least two opponents that had Satoru, and it just seemed like okay, you can draft this card and you can play it in a blue black ninja slash value deck, but actually saving mana and having a really dramatic play with Satoru's ability seemed pretty rare. It was more about like getting the trigger where you draw one of the cards off the top three hmm. or, you know, having the option to ninjutsu in creatures that don't normally have ninjutsu. And like, that's super cool. Cause then you get their ETBs mid combat, but, hmm. but I hadn't run into, they put in a giant thing until last night when I was just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to block. I don't need to make that block. I'm not going to trade here. I'm going to have like lethal in two turns if I keep my creature alive because my creatures have menace or something. And then first they, they put in the colossal sky turtle. They like put their network disruptor back in their hand for four mana and I'm getting hit for six flying and it has ward two. Mm-hmm. And then the next turn they put in the crab. Yeah, it was the five, seven. I was like, okay, they did that once, but the rest of their deck is going to be like boring four drops and under. Like, we're going to be okay. We're going to attack them down to one here. We've got one chump left. We're not going to die. And then sure enough, yeah, crab for lethal. So that was pretty funny. Crab like, for I love lethal. the idea of the, the skyscraper, right? There's just like a vector yeah. glider or something perched on top of a, of a building. And you're like, watch out for that thing. And you're like, the vector glider, it hits for two. Not so much, <laughs> right? <laughs> And you just get struck by this limb that's made out of like a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Little, little did you know, after Satoru went to school, he taught the whole school, the building itself, how to do ninjutsu. Yeah. Yeah. Long skyscraper. The school of ninjutsu. This yeah. is it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the third floor. School. Yeah. The yeah. third and eighth floor of the walking skyscraper are actually a ninjutsu um, academy. Yeah. Like this <laughs> floor's. Out. Well, I mean, like, floors seven through eight are luxury condos, and then the ground floor is, like, you know, cafes and, and small shopping districts, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, go ahead. It should surprise no one to know, considering how high I was on Skyscanner, that Searchlight Companion, I think, is just a really good card that should get in most decks. Yes, it's I agree. Three mana, one, one flyer, ETB, you get a one, one spirit. The spirit is not an artifact. No. Which is important to, to to know for a variety of interactions. If it was, it would be a way higher pick. Yeah, but the Searchlight <coughs> Companion uh, absolutely is. I love um, this in Ninjutsu decks. Yeah, right. Like I, I think this is a very good Ninjutsu enabler. It's also pretty good in vehicle decks mm-hmm. because there's a bunch of crew one, so you can like keep the flyer around, you know, for later. Chump with the other one one while you're getting in with your yeah with like your, your three two flying or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And I've managed to get um, two or even three for ones with Seismic Wave. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I only a, had that once. Two and a red instant deals two damage to any target. Any target. Any target. So it can also go face. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one damage to each non-artifact, which is a really important line, yeah. uh, creature target opponent controls. So all their spirits, any X1s, any of the tiny ninjas... Um, uh, you know, if they've got like, uh, I don't know, like coiling stalker and moon circuit hacker, just punch them in the face for two and kill both the creatures. Pretty good for three mana. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if they do have, you know, like some spirits and say the searchlight companion, you target the searchlight companion with the two damage because it that can hit anything. Because it won't die to the second half of this of this effect. So, you know, you got to sort of, you know, it's like you have to sort of like craft your thing and be like, okay, hang on. It's not going to kill the rabbit battery, but if I target the rabbit battery, then I can take out that other X1 over there, you know. But uh, yeah, it, it it's I don't know I I I think it's I I don't actually know if it gets in like every deck, but I I I'm probably gonna play it anytime I get it, and I'm playing red. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, at, how much are you willing to pay for a shock? Mm, mm-hmm. Well, are I think it's important. Yeah, before we move on from this card, it's important to remember that not only can the the spell go face for two damage to your opponent, it can also just target one of their creatures that's not an artifact, and then that creature will take three mm-hmm. because it the damage will be dealt twice if it. Oh, you know, right. <laughs> which which is a mode that I didn't even realize after going through a whole tournament with it. But then my opponent killed my four three, um, and I was like, oh yeah, that's what's happening here. I was just using it to ki- be like two damage is either going to the face or it's killing your artifact creature, and then the other damage is going everywhere else. But if they just have like. Right. You know, if they any... just have one three toughness creature. You can yep. just, you can just kill it. Exactly. So now you know if you didn't realize that. And there's a bunch of, like this is a very complicated set, obviously. That's more words than any other set in magic cards. Um mm. but that's that's another one of the little tricks. I've been drafting a lot of ninjas. Um I had one deck with six moon circuit hackers, so I chose that yeah. as my background today. And I guess I, you know, I did draft original Kamigawa, but not a ton. And I've just never really understood as deeply as I do now, the ins and outs of ninjutsu, just like Hmm. how powerful it is. You know, as long as you've got one more ninja in your hand, you know, then your ninjas on the battlefield, you can buy them back. Like if, if one of your other ninjas is unblocked, you can get it back in your hand. And then you can also do it end of combat, which we talked about in a bit in the PPR, but it's actually really good to do that. Like you, you know, switch which one is in hand after you've gotten the combat damage to player trigger from it. Mm-hmm. Then after combat, you're like, okay, a different tapped creature. This costs a bunch of mana, but it it was wild to me how relevant using ninjutsu at both opportunities was. And sometimes even like if you take moon snare specialist into the late game, if you have a moon spare snare specialist and another ninja that can come down for cheap, like the moon circuit hacker, mm-hmm. even just like paying four mana mid combat to like flicker it and bounce their creatures or bounce one of your other into play, you know, um, benefit creatures like it to rebuy another mm-hmm. creature from your hand. If you've got the mana for it, you can just keep ninjutsuing. Whereas like in my head, I had only ever thought, well, yeah, after they block, you can put one of your niches into play and then, then the attacker comes back and that's all there is to it. Right. Like that's the, uh, that's the judge video or like, how does this ability mm-hmm. work? intro sales pitch. But the, the sort of second level of ninjutsu is like, well, any, any creature that's been unblocked, you know, is, is a valid, um, enabler for your ninjutsus in hand. And, you know, you're not going to run out of ninjas if you're bouncing ninjas back to your hand, right? So you can just keep putting your mana into that and keep getting these benefits. I don't know if you have to do full control on arena to do this. You probably do. They fixed it. Yeah. So to get the end of combat one, Mm -hmm. I think you do now. You just want to click on your little combat little explosion icon in the bottom if you want to ninjutsu again after damage. But right now, after blockers, there's always a stop on your turn. Yes. No, I know that. Yeah. yeah, Because I did see Again, I, was, I watch a lot of Kenji draft. Uh, I uh, uh, I did I did see him do exactly what you said of like ninja in the moon circuit hacker draw the card and then after damage but still in combat flash in moon snare specialist and bounce something. Right. Like and so it's it feels ninjutsu. so weird to be paying mana not to like get the creature in to deal damage. But yeah, it's such a wide open design space and has so much potential. And moon snare specialist is such a like outstanding way of learning ninjutsu yeah right like this this card is a clinic in how to run this mechanic so i've also i've also been playing um kotose for my last couple drafts kotose was my first pick Um, you mentioned you just had uh them in sealed and the first one i tried to mostly go blue back i might have splashed for a card or two but the second one, it was like Katose first pick into two Gloom Shriekers. Oh, so yeah. we have some ninjas just to like 
you know, rebuying Kotose is great. Rebuying Gloom Sugar is great. But most of the deck is just kind of like Sultai value engine with like the turtle at the top. And then the other card that like has really grown in value um, for me is Geothermal Kami. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I had an absolutely miserable game on stream yesterday that I'll talk about afterwards. Mm-hmm. But, you, but you can go, go ahead. ahead. I just wanted to say, sure. like, you know, this rebuys your sagas. If you just want the first two chapters of sagas and then, like, the creature's not doing anything, just like your your life of Toshiro we were talking about earlier. Um, gains through life in a pinch if you need it. You can just bounce your one-mana snake nin- ninja, your death touch fang of Shigeki mm-hmm. that's in most of your green decks. Yeah. Or, you know, the dream, obviously, is, is bouncing Gloom Shrieker. You know, and then you just need to get the geothermal cami killed, which usually will happen profitably. Like, attacking for four obviously feels good. And it trades with more stuff. It'll trade with three twos or three ones or whatever, because it only has three toughness. But then you're into that. You just get it back with with your Gloom Shrieker, and you've got this kind of life gain, constant grind going at your opponent. It's slow, but you, you never run out of gas. Yeah. So the Geothermal Kami, it's three and a green for, at worst, a four three. Just sits there. But when it enters the battlefield, you can return. You may return an enchantment you control to its owner's hand. If you do, you gain three life. And so our opponent yesterday had two Asus's Many Journeys. Okay. And at least two geothermal commies. And I I feel like it's the only spells they cast. (laughs) (laughs) Because they just kept... They probably gained... I don't know, like... 12 life or... More... 21 life. Something like that over the course of the game. Because they were like... They journey, journey... And then they returned it, and then an Akami, and returned it again, and played it. So that's like the six. Yeah, it was so. It was like eighteen life, I think maybe. Oh, nice. It was so much. Uh, it was like that and a story weave uh, to make hmm. their Azusa to make their memory of Azusa into like a five five to smash us was just about like. Yeah, it, it it was weird. It was like, how are we losing to this? They're, they're not doing anything. They're just sitting there gaining life and like hitting us for four occasionally. <laughs> Wait, we're at zero. What happened? Like it was, <laughs> it was very strange. Mm, I like it's it. Good stuff, though. I like it yeah. a lot. I like this format. This format's sweet. Yeah, I don't know. Nin- ninjas and sagas are just like exactly where I want magic to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty fun bouncing your, your saga with your ninjas for sure. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about another card that I think we did, you know, we did notice it doing things during the PPR. Or we probably we probably acknowledged it in the first couple days of the format, but uh, it's really shone in the in the intervening week. It's Imperial Subduer. Um, mm. I think this is the most important common if you're going to get into this Samurai Exalted deck. Speaking of frustrating. Mm. Yeah, so two white, or sorry, two two generic and a white, three mana for a three, two, fine stats. Whenever a Samurai where you control attacks alone, tap target creature you don't control. And so, you you know, you can draft a deck that'll have like a bunch of these when, you, when a creature attacks alone triggers. Um, I think this is the most important one at common. Um, Combines well with like the the next most important card for your deck usually is Tempered in Solitude. This is an uncommon though for one in a red. Whenever any creature attacks alone, so they 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 obviously pushed this card. It was like part of the Samurai and Warriors attacking alone, but then they're like, yeah, let's just make it more playable and have more uses. Um, but anyways, the trigger is when whenever a creature attacks alone, you get to exile the top card of your library and you may play it this turn. So that's your that's your value engine that kind of helps make up for the fact that you're only attacking with one creature. So you're never dealing that much damage each turn. But you get to chip in. They don't have good blocks because of your subduer. And so you're making them chump or getting a good trade or just dealing them a little bit of damage. And then you, if you're drawing an extra card from Tempered in Solitude, then you're just slowly getting ahead of your opponent. Um, the other card from this team that... And unfortunately, it's in a third color. But this is another common that I've slowly, slowly started to like more. It's still not like a really high pick or needs to be in every black deck or anything like that. But um, Nizumi Blade Blesser uh, is really good in the Samurais Attacking by Themselves archetype. Because if you have an enchantment, it gains Menace, right? Yeah, it gains Menace if you have an enchantment, which is pretty easy when you're the Samurai deck, because a bunch of the mm-hmm. Samurai themselves are enchantments. Mm-hmm. And then if you have an artifact, it has Death Touch. So now it's like, if this is your attacking alone thing, you know, with uh, two, two generic and a black for a 3-2 with these two conditional abilities. But if you manage to give it Menace and Death Touch, it's always trading for two creatures unless they have, like, 
two first striking blockers, which doesn't happen that often in this format. Um, so like you might be tapping down the creature they want to block with, and then they have to block with two other creatures and you have death touch. So just a, just a great little, little team there. Um, and I've had some success with this, with the samurai strategy. You can kind of build it in any two color pair, but it, uh, it gets the most value out of being marked, obviously. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Cool. Oh, I love this format. I just don't yeah, even know what just, to say about it. It's very cool. It's I can't wait to keep playing it. Yeah, I'm it's, enjoying playing it. Yeah. Like I, people have said that there are so many words on these cards, and they are. There are, mm -hmm. but they're all good. <laughs> you know, it's, like it's. I, I mean, we we I think I think we talked about this last time mm -hmm. that. There are a lot of words, yes. but once you start like playing with them, a lot of stuff just falls into place and more easily makes sense than you might think by like, I know that much has been made of like, oh, Kamigawa is, you know, on word count, the, the wordiest magic set ever or something. I, maybe I'm exaggerating, but I think I heard someone say that maybe they were exaggerating, but the point is once you actually sit down with it, you're sort of like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. It, yeah. it lends it, itself very, as Ben Wheeler said, it lends itself very, very well to shorthand. Yes. And, yes. Uh, yeah. You got to read the cards. You got to know what the cards are. You got to know what's an enchantment, what's an artifact. What like you got? You have to pay attention to all that. Mm -hmm. But it's uh, it's yeah. I, this this I is don't. my favorite set in a very long time. Yeah. This this, this rules. I want I want to close off talking about the this limited format by acknowledging mm -hmm. that. Although there are bombs, it doesn't. The games don't usually feel very like bomb oriented, like with you know between Tamio's completion we talked about earlier, or the black enchantment twisted embrace. Red has a bunch of good removal that's sort of flexible in how much damage it deals. Uh, white has the intercessor's arrest, and green even has like you know rabbit bite uh, at instant speed. So there's lots of good common removal. You can usually have one or two uh, ways in your deck to deal with their dragon or planeswalker if they if they manage to get one. Um, so more than more than any other format I can remember in a long time, the thing that you're going to lose to is not your opponent having like one big scary bomb. It's just if their game plan and curve like um, deploy perfectly. Right, like if they go spend all their mana and on creatures or synergistic plays or like one one spell that was a two for one because you blocked or something, and they just like spend all their mana in the first six turns. That's like the thing that I've run into the most commonly. That I'm just like, well, that's frustrating, <laughs> but you know, you, you gotta you gotta have something that's the best thing to do in the format. And I'd rather it was that. Like every yeah. time, you're just like, well, you drafted a great deck opponent. Way to go! Like <laughs> you know, I'm not like. I'm not um, stymied by one particular part of the design of the set or one one card that I just couldn't beat. Like, there's no, I don't think this this format, as far as I can tell, has um, a pack rat or you know an Umazawa's Jitte. Not that I've seen so far. Yeah, all I the mean cards, there are some there are some cards that make me groan a bit. But, yeah, uh, there's some better cards, but yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, usually if your opponent played one, you're only mad because you're already kind of losing. Right, yeah. like you're behind, and you're like, okay, I think I stabilized, and then they're like, ayo, and you're oh. Like I've had an opponent play Ryu and lose that game very quickly, and I've had an opponent play Ryu that I've untapped and immediately killed, and it's like, yeah, all right, that's magic, folks. Yeah. Also, Ward forever over Hexproof. I love oh, even, yeah. even when I lose to it, it's like Ward four on a Mythic Blue Dragon. I'm like, well, I can't target that thing. Still feels better than losing to Hexproof. Can't entirely explain why. Uh, I guess your mind goes, oh, if only I had two more lands, then I would have won. And it's like, that is a weird, like, it's probably a fallacy of some kind. Right. I'm like but tricking it, myself into feeling better, but. Yeah. I mean, you can at least feel like, well, I didn't. It feels like there was something you could have done instead of being like, well, I guess I didn't draft a first striker with death touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Like the, the, the feeling of I could have done something against a ward is just like present versus hexproof. If you're like, well, you know, you finish and you know, you get frustrated and don't know what you could have done better because you maybe even have an edict in your deck. Like you've got debt to the cami, but they're going to have one extra creature. And so you couldn't build a better creature than they, they did on their bogle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Moving on. Uh, I, we don't need to talk about this for very long, but it's just sort of, it ended up being 
kind of funny. Uh, there was a, uh, a, a, a group of folks um, calling themselves MTG Dow, uh, <laughs> which, yeah, as a reminder, <laughs> um, a Dow is a decentralized autonomous organization, um, mm-hmm. which is if if you have not if you have two hours and haven't watched um, the video from uh, Dan Olson, aka Foldable Human, uh, called "Line Goes Up," um, which explains a lot about. Um, cryptocurrency and nfts and things uh you should you should you should definitely watch it um he talks about DAOs a bit in that and yeah it's like a <sighs> like the term decentralized autonomous organization is so many syllables to mean nothing yeah because it's not decentralized it's these people yes but right. like what it doesn't describe anything no it doesn't right. anyway this is there's a group of people, they called themselves MTG DAO, and they came forward with a plan to uh, make Magic the Gathering NFTs. Uh, and Wizards was like, uh, don't? Like, Wizards actually sent them a surprisingly polite email, considering what I've heard about Wizards Legal. And uh, that was like, they were... <laughs> it. I mean, surprisingly polite, but maybe also a little bit of kid gloves of like, hey, it looks like you might be trying to do a copyright fraud. I think you should not do that. We'd be happy to answer more questions about the ways that what you say you want to do is really illegal. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your time. Yeah, we, we are not currently interested in selling Magic the Gathering to you. <laughs> yeah, that... that yeah, that was the best part is that like in their statement of intent, the MTG DAO was like, you know, if this all goes well, then I think we might just be able to buy the magic brand. <laughs> and it's like, no. I mean, how I, I mean, I could say that for many of my ventures. Yeah. Right? The threshold for well is awfully high in that situation. It's yeah. it, it's so powerful to think that, you know, a group of people or a single person can like take their self-confidence and then like pressurize it into like a pump and then like put plug that pump into their plan and then just like swell their own you know like understanding like their own um reasoning of how like their their idea of how well everything is going to go to the size that is bigger than the company that they're trying to steal from it's just just fantastic mm-hmm. yeah I also uh, like that Hasbro lawyers, you know, you're just as you were saying just now, Graham, it's like Hasbro lawyers are so rich and powerful now that they can just afford Clippy. They've just got Clippy to do this email, right? Like, yeah. You see that you're, yeah. Yeah. Basically, they, they, they wanted to do some sort of system where like you could own your cards, but like, but really own your cards, but in a different way. Um, and yeah, the, uh, the. One second. Uh, this 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 line from the wizard's lawyer: "You appear to be operating under the mistaken assumption that the project would be legal." <laughs> yeah, that's that is very, pretty crazy. I, I saw him saying like, "This is awfully like kid glove." Well, not kid glove, um, but this is like suspiciously gentle, and mm-hmm. this is just the way lawyers talk. Yeah, right. Like this in a courtroom would be. Like that that gif of the kid in the rap battle. <laughs> right? Like where he falls backwards and all his buddies catch him and the one guy like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that pretty, was pretty fantastic burn from Hasbro Lawyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was that was very entertaining. And uh I, I kinda doubt that MTG Dow is gonna go anywhere or do anything further. Uh, but yeah, I and I, I, I think if they try to, I think the like, next or the, hmm? saying that Wizards is not going to make it using their acronym. Oh God, right? Yeah, just because they don't want to make NFTs of their stuff, that that means that they're going to fail as a company. Yep. <sighs> the uh, I I suspect if they continue to try to do anything, the next email will be considerably more uh, blunt. It, yeah, uh, sorry. It, it's the the specifically the conversation of like from the from the from their their own thread of like the oh, God their thread is long. I don't want to read this whole thing. Um, 
I can't remember. Somewhere in here was basically like, look, I don't know a lot about copyright law. And it's like, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> anyway. Um, so changing gears to a different sort of thing. So there's a, um, there's an investment group called Alta Fox, uh, who, uh, owns 2.5% of Hasbro, which is, uh, you know, a fair chunk. Like it's not huge, but it's, it's a big enough amount that you get to like, you, you get to, you know, like talk to them and be like, Hey, we would like to talk to you. They're an uh, asset management firm and they have started, I don't know. This is weird. They've started like this hashtag movement or something of like free the wizards. Um, and, uh, uh, Cedric Phillips actually put together a great thread without mm -hmm. giving his sort of opinion on it of like, if you're confused, this is, this is what, this is the state of things. Uh, they contend that under the current board, Hasbro's shares have underperformed and have traded a sizable discount despite massive growth by their key brand, which is Wizards. Basically, Hasbro is doing okay to not great, and Wizards is doing very, very well. From the shareholder perspective. From the shareholder perspective, yeah, which is money. Um, and so th they want to untether Wizards from Hasbro because basically they think that Hasbro's, uh, they think um, Wizards is worse off for being a part of Hasbro, essentially. Yeah. Hasbro, their, their argument is like Hasbro is leaving money on the table with the way that they're managing Wizards, right? Yeah. Close to that. Like they could be, Wizards could be gaining more money for their shareholders. Yeah. And I, I don't know, maybe that's the case. Um, so so they're, one of their big things is that they have, uh, they are, they're nominating John Finkel to nominating hasn't been I, I i'm sure there's some sort of approval process um to a position of director on hasbro's board among other people they're nominated they've nominated several people but john finkel is the one that we would know um to uh to to be on the hasbro board to uh, advocate for the things that alta fox wants done differently with how they manage wizards. And so it's just sort of a, it's a very public, uh, thing, uh, to be like, we've put together this website. It's an odd website. It's called free the wizards. Um, and, uh, they nominated these people for the board and they, uh, yeah, they, they, they're just, they're like, look, we only own 2.5% of this, but we think that you're doing it wrong and we want to do it better. And here's how we're going to do it. And we're going to do this by like basically stirring up a bunch of public support. Cause they're talking about like, like bringing back the pro scene. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, like I, I would like that personally. I would like that, but I, I don't actually know if that aligns with what they're saying. Right. Like, I feel like if the pro scene did make a huge amount of money, then that would have happened already. Also, there's a pandemic. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know if maybe they're just sort of in a holding pattern there, but it's like, I don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, bring back pro level magic and would be responded to by wizards going, yes, we've thought of that, <laughs> but we have considered that. Thank you. So I don't know. I, I, uh, it's an odd, it's an odd thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, um, God, these, these, well, this isn't a grassroots thing, right? This is the opposite of it. But I'm, I'm always astroturf. Yeah. Well, I'm always very suspicious of these, even when I'm like, yeah, I broadly agree with what you're saying here, <coughs> but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. These la this last decade, this last yeah. my adult life has trained me <laughs> to be very wary of being enthusiastic about anything occurring at these strata. It's worth noting that, like we are not the target for this. No. Right. The, the, this, this free, the wizard website, you can go read it if you want, but it, we are not the target. The target is other shareholders of Hasbro. Yes. Cause like their big, their, their, their big, like thesis statement at the bottom of their, like the case to repair Hasbro is 
we believe that with the right board in place, Hasbro can unlock 100% in upside value and trade at a base price of over $200 per share by 2024. And it's like, oh, that's what you're fighting for. Yeah, I guess this is what yeah. magic talk sounds like to other people. Right? Like that, all of the stuff that you've said affects me in zero way. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, this is not, yeah, this, this is not about players. This is not about, uh, uh, you know, like your LGS or, you know, cardboard print quality, right? This is about value to investors. This, this is such a like, uh, like, I don't know. It's funny that it got the traction that it did, I guess, but like we as magic players are like not the target demo for mm -hmm. for uh for what Alta Fox is trying to whip up. They're definitely the you know, the value to the shareholder is what's gonna come first here if they're successful in getting John Finkel on the board and pushing their plan. But mm -hmm. their website does mention like, you know, things that are attractive sounding to players as well. Like they you know, Oh yeah. Say, ideas to improve both customer and shareholder value. And they list some things that in some ways in which they could like improve arena, like strict improvements. And then they also mentioned some kind of in-person and online tournament structure. Um, so it, yeah, I think it's as a player, it sounds like the ceiling of what could be happening here if they're successful is very good but it's important to temper that any excitement you have with the fact that like, well, Hasbro is already trying to, you know, extract as much money out of us and give as much money to their mm -hmm. shareholders as they can, mm -hmm. you know, and if Alta Vista manages to help them do Alta that, Vista. sorry, Alta Fox. <laughs> yeah. It's two I'm old. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah it's Alta, Alta Vista Firefox. Yes. <laughs> um, if Netscape Navigator and John Finkel managed to successfully, <clears throat> uh, improve the practice that Hasbro already wants, I don't think we should necessarily then suspect or believe that that will result in a improved experience for players, right? Exactly. Yeah. And like frequently like, it might. It might. It might. It might. I mean Watsy making more money might improve the quality of their products. Or it might not. Yeah. Like right? in, yeah. like it, I'm in the case of them being able to, I don't know, compensate their staff better and bring in more resources. That'd be good. Would be nice. Uh, or it might just result in them like absolutely strip mining everything and their, their player base for all they're worth. Yeah. In, in the case of John Finkel specifically, I, uh, I have no problem with him, obviously. I think having one of the, uh, one of the best and most successful professional magic players ever uh, on, the, on the board helping make decisions and stuff like that or you know steer direction would be probably a good thing uh but my sort of overall feeling about about this is is very much in the sort of let them fight kind of range <laughs> right just like okay you you two sort this out i'll, I'll be over here <laughs> you know yeah i i, 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 I don't know i, I, I watch I, I watch developments with interest i feel that we in the player base should be very wary of thinking of uh investors as allies yes i am not what i'm not interested in because the last time i had this sort of let them fight feeling was the the whole apple versus epic thing mm -hmm. uh where epic was trying to turn their fans into pr yes right and i am not interested in being used as uh as leverage uh in a fight to make someone else money. Nope. God, also- I already have a job for that. Yeah. <laughs> also, that entire lawsuit, I, I, mm -hmm. a friend of mine tweeted out during that lawsuit of Apple versus Epic, where lawyers were just trying to define what a video game was in a court. Yeah. And somebody, tweet, a friend of mine tweeted out like, they're just speaking forbidden words of power in there, sending shock waves through it. Like we've been trying to define this for 20 years critically and they're like a lawyer's just like a video game is an interactive digital experience <laughs> it's like yeah no i don't is it i guess it is now <laughs> no it's not you have to say it like this interactive digital experience 
experience. Right, yeah, like like, like Gandalf. If you say Leviosa, then right, we'll do it. Yeah. like Gandalf invoking the black speech of Mordor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just a banana in a suit. <laughs> Speaking of casting spells and doing invocations, can we talk about casting fireballs and sonic booms? Yeah. What do you think? There's a new secret layer because, of course, we didn't talk about secret layers for at least one week. Yeah. So now there's like 50 more, um, <laughs> except not really 50. Okay, the first one I'd like to describe is mm -hmm. Secret Layer Drop Series Times Street Fighter or Secret Layer X. Is it meant to be a multiplication? I don't it's know if this cross, is. Because it's cross. like a crossover, right? Crossover. Universes Beyond. Secret Layer. And this is going to include eight cards. Um, if you played Street Fighter, you're going to be familiar um we've got ehan so let's start with ryu world warrior two generic and a white for a there's they're all legendary creatures i think human warrior two four with training so if it attacks with another large creature gets bigger and hadoken for four generic and a red and untap ryu the untap so symbol good. we ha haven't it's seen so since good. like it's so cool it's so amazing you know the most amazing part is if you haven't played street fighter it's that to cast a hadoken on your control you you make the untap symbol with the directional pad down so and roll forward you roll right, you roll right, a quarter right. quarter circle roll everyone by the way yep. every single one of these cards is beautifully designed just a love letter to 1995 yeah yeah um so you have to discard a card and untap ryu and pay five and then it ryu will deal damage equal to his power to any target but if excess damage was dealt to a creature draw a card so that's pretty cool the hadokens have trample now We've got Ken, Burning Brawler, who, you know, in Street Fighter, mechanically played the same way as Ryu. Um, but we've got one generic Red Red for a 4-2 Human Warrior with Prowess now, so it gets larger from spells. I love that uh, Ryu is a 2-4 with Training and Ken is a 4-2 with Prowess. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Training, you know, like Ryu is always, like, standing there underneath the waterfall, punching it, trying harder and harder. Mm -hmm. um, so Ken can gain First Strike for either side of a Boros mana. And sure you can, whenever Ken deals combat damage, you may cast a sorcery spell from your hand with mana value less than or equal to the damage without paying its mana cost. So that's common damage to a player or a creature. And that's a trigger that, uh, I yeah, will should still just work even if Ken trades off in combat. We'll still get to cast um, a spell with however much mana value. So that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Before we move on too much further, okay. I, wanna, I wanna say overall, um, the reaction to this has been almost universally very positive. And a big part of that is that, so this is a, this is a universe is beyond secret layer. So this is mm -hmm. the, the crossing over with other IPs, but this is the first sort of really big one like this that we've had since it's been like really formally clear that it's like all of these cards will be reprinted in a uh, in a, in like the mechanically they'll be reprinted in an in magic way uh i think it's like within six months or something i don't know exactly what the timeline is supposed to be but the point that is sounds right the these are all mechanically distinct unique cards and we they will be reprinted in a non-street fighter way right um in the future and so these are just yeah just so kind of fun now this is eight spoilers i guess from either new capena or either the dominaria sets probably coming up yeah um yeah, should we keep going? Yeah, yeah, sure. We've got Blanca, Furious or Ferocious Fiend. For, sorry, friend. Ferocious Friend. Yeah. Friend. Well, he's looking fiendish in the art here. Um, this I, I put a lot of I put a lot of hours into mastering Blanca with my friends in grade seven. Nice. Um, we've got five mana, three generic, and a red green for a five five haste. Love it. Rolling attack gives you uh, whenever Blanca has sorry it has trample as long as you've cast three or more spells this turn. And the electric thunder is whenever Blanca becomes the target of the spell. He gets plus two, plus two until end of turn and deals two damage to each opponent. Ooh. So kind of like a red-green heroic strategy, maybe. Mm -hmm. Chun-Li has multi-kicker. We already <laughs> knew that was happening. Chun-Li is one generic, a one white, and one blue for a 3-3 three, three multi-kicker Azorius mana. And when it enters the battlefield, exile up to X target instant cards from your graveyard where X is the number of times Chun-Li was kicked and put a kick counter on, on each of them in exile. But then whenever Chun-Li attacks, copy each exiled card you own with a kick counter on it you may cast the copies but you have to spend mana so you know there's a lot of ways this can go um but 
probably the things that you've been doing with your feather deck, Chun-Li is interested in as well. Mm -hmm. Very flavorful. Dalsim, Pliable Pacifist is green-white uh, and two generic, so four mana for a 1-3 reach. Get yeah. it? <clears throat> it has Hexproof uh, unless it's attacking, and whenever a creature you control with reach attacks, so it could be Dalsim, any other one too, untap it, and it can't be blocked this, uh, by creatures with greater power in this combat, so that's like Skulk. And lastly, whenever one or more creatures you control deal damage to a player, draw a card. So can draw one card per combat damage step. Probably, um, yeah. But it's any any creatures, so a mm -hmm. lot of things going on with Dalsim. Really fun one. Guile is uh, costs America and a generic, so one 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 generic, one blue, one red, one white. It's too perfect that Guile is red, white, and blue. Yeah, like, of obviously that was on purpose. But I yes. do that. Yeah. So a four four that enters, whatever it enters or, or attacks, put a charge counter on it or remove one. When you remove a counter, choose one. Either Sonic Boom, Guile deals four damage to any target. Powerful. Or Flash Kick, Guile gains lifelink and indestructible until end of turn. Mastering the Flash Kick was a lot of work, but even harder is trying to figure out how to perfectly grab your opponent when they're mid-air. And you could, like, Guile has, like, one of the best moves in the original game where he can, like, jump up and grab them if they're above, above you. Anyways, uh, I can see this doing a lot of work in Commander. Yeah. Zongief is Jund uh, and two generic, so five mana for a 7 4. Must be blocked. And as long as it's your turn, Zangief has indestructible. Powerful. Um, and whenever Zangief deals damage to a creature, if that creature was dealt excess damage this turn, that creature's controller sacrifices a non-creature non-land permanent. That's a lot of words. So basically, it, he has like the Abyss Trample. A yeah. non-creature non-land. Can't hit their lands or their creatures. So it's kind of that's sort of like dealing with their other their enchantment artifact planeswalker permanents. Mm-hmm. Okay, lastly, E-Honda, sumo champion. Who is attacking what? a car, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that was the bonus round for extra points. You be yeah. get to beat up a car between rounds in Street Fighter. Yeah. Um, white, white, and four generic. So it's six mana for a zero seven. But as long as it's your turn, each creature assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. So just when, just when it's your turn, you get that Doran effect. Uh, but also 100 hand slap. Whenever E-Honda attacks up to 100 target creatures, <laughs> each get plus zero plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of cards in your hand. Um, and of Very course, cool. on your turn, pumping your creature's toughness will also pump their power. So some pretty scary turns, potentially, if you're playing tokens with E-Honda. Very, very cool. Now, there is also, there's a ninth secret card that they're right. revealing at some point. It's probably going to be <coughs> by the time this podcast is. And so people have been discussing, you know, like, oh, what, what's it going to be? It's got to be M. Bison, it's gotta right? It's got to be M. Bison. So my money's on Akuma. Yeah? Because Akuma was the original hidden character. Oh, okay. Because these are the original eight playables. And then Akuma was the hidden character, but it, but Bison makes sense. Also, there's there's a lot of options that could make sense. Okay. I don't know. Adam was like, Adam thought it'd be funny if it was Dan. <laughs> just Dan, yeah, yeah, just Dan. Good old Dan. But it's probably Bison or Honda, or Adam, sorry, Bison or Akuma. Adam actually is the the person from LRR with the most recent actual Street Fighter experience because Street mm -hmm. Fighter, like you know, we played it in the '90s on our Super Nintendos, but it's it's continued on. It's like a, a live franchise, and they have you know a new new version from the last few years or something with a bunch of characters I've never seen before. Yeah. Um, what if it was the saga of KMFDM's uh, Ultra from the anime? Whoa. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Be amazing. So uh, let's cut. Let's quickly just sort of talk through some of the other secret layers. Um, those were the cards that were like totally brand new mechanically. So we don't need to go quite as deep on, on the other ones. Um, but uh, there's some very cool stuff. There's the introducing Kaito Shizuki secret lair, which is five cards with new art, all from the same artist, uh, Rorube, um, and uh, all featuring uh, all featuring Kaito. So this has brain freeze, bribery, snap, unmask, looking very good, and shadow of doubt. And Nelson, you were saying before we we went live that this one is actually 
like value wise is pretty spicy. Yeah, I mean, I haven't checked on Magic card prices lately, but last time I was selling cards, you know, if you could get all five of these cards uh, with some kind of special treatment, especially for $30, even just getting all five of these cards for $30 is a pretty good deal. Bribery and Shadow of Doubt and Unmask were all cards that were, you know, in the case at Yellowjack. Those were like, I didn't put them in a binder. They were like in a sleeve with a price tag on it. So mm. uh, this one, I think from among the available uh, secret layers right now is the one with like the most value. Um but that'll you know depend on how many people buy it too, and how many other printings. I haven't noticed of bribery. If bribery's been in a bunch of stuff lately, I haven't yeah. kept up with my commander decks. But this one looks like a good deal. Cool. If you've never uh, shadow of doubted someone's fetch land, it's a uh, two demir mana for players can't search libraries this turn. Also, you draw a card. There's one called Kamigawa Manga, which is five reprints with art from Ryu Kimei. And it's Idyllic Tutor, uh, Swords to Plowshares, which are both of which feature, um, it looks like, the Wandering Emperor and Kaito as kids. Um, Solve the Equation, Praetor's Grasp, and Veil of Summer. They look really so, cool. This one's not a bad deal, too. Yeah, those look very cool. Uh, there's one called Lil Walkers, featuring five uh, Planeswalkers by Uta Natsumi. Uh, in sort of anime chibi style, and they're <laughs> spectacular. Uh, Tamio the Moon Sage, Ajani Mentor of Heroes, Angrath the Flame Chained, Ashiok Dream Render, and Soren Grim Nemesis. Uh, and these all these all look spectacular. So uh, cute. Also, not uh, not sponsored. Um, Though they they have sponsored some of our Cracker Pack episodes, but uh, Pinfinity is doing um, pins of these five designs as well, hmm. which is pretty exciting. This one I'm very excited about: Pictures of the Floating World. It's the Yukio E land styles for the Hideaway lands. Mm -hmm. um, so Windbrisk Heights. Uh, now that you can tell from reading it, unless you can read Japanese, uh, Sheldock Isle, which is so good with the turtle. Uh, hollow tooth, sorry, howl tooth hollow, spine rock knoll, and mosswort bridge. So these are the Lorwyn hideaway lands, um, but with the UKOE style, and they look phenomenal. So good. Unfortunately, these cards have all been reprinted into Oblivion, so it's like you're not really getting your thirty bucks back or whatever. But yeah. but they're just gorgeous, and you're gonna play them in your commander decks. Yeah. Uh, shades not included is a series from uh i'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his name actually ben ben schnuck uh or ben makes ben makes magic um he's a guy i i had seen these posted on the magic subreddit some time ago um uh, this is someone who he's active on reddit he's active on twitter does stuff with magic and now he gets a secret layer and that's super cool uh so it's just the, it's just the basics plains island swamp mountain forest um, but they're all in a very cool um, sort of uh, vaporwave uh, neon aesthetic, and yeah. uh, they're really cool looking. Yeah, you could maybe argue that you like some other basic lands more, but you can't argue that any other base, basic lands make you hear a synth bass line as clearly as these ones do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So thank you very much, Ben. Gorgeous. The showcase Neon Destiny not neon dynasty neon destiny again that's the that's the the <laughs> just to confuse things further mm -hmm. uh is four cards with the um the 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 neon ink foil treatment from that one printing of hidetsugu um so it's it's a very particular uh ink style anyway the reprints of ghostly prison freed from the real Goseju, who shelters all, and Hall of the Bandit Lord. It's probably an okay deal then, too. Yeah. And then finally, special guest, Yoko Shimizu, which is four cards illustrated by Yoko Shimizu. Hmm. Um, Hakori, Dusk, Dust Drinker, pardon me. Kira, Great Glass Spinner. Idolin of the Great Revel. And looking real mad about it and elvish spirit guide so just some really very pretty looking borderless cards there yeah i, I like these ones quite a lot actually even though i'm yeah. not sure what my use case for most of them would be 
Yeah. There's a ton of beautiful cards in all these secret layers. Yeah. Uh, and there's the new, uh, which I think we talked about it. There's the new um, uh, astrology land. It's the Aquarius Islands. Mm-hmm. And I think the astrology lands are just available all year. I think yeah. I mean, they've definitely been around for several weeks now. So maybe they're just going to let let these astrology lands yeah. stay up the whole year and just add to them. So the February super drop is available uh, for another 27 days at time of recording. So uh, for once, <laughs> it feels like you have plenty of time to uh, to get those if you're interested. And of course, they have their usual bundles where you can get all of them in foil or all of them in non-foil or all of them in both. And it's that's $430. But uh, you, know, you can also just sort of make, pick and choose which things you want to get. So, uh, Yeah. If you'd like to pick and choose which magic cards you get to add to your collection, I recommend going over to cardkingdom.com forward slash LRR because they have really fast shipping. If you're in the States, you can get anything from their website. And if you're everywhere else, you only have to skip on sealed product that's in standard. Uh, And frankly, that's fine. Just buy singles. You can buy singles anywhere in the world. They're going to ship them uncomfortably quickly. And if you say loading rate run sent me button, please, you even get to get a cute little one inch button that says, hi, roll. I'm dad. Yeah. For those who've been asking the Kamigawa neon dynasty nicknames podcast will be forthcoming. I know that we took uh, crimson vow off, which, uh, you know, was a shame, but uh, a variety of factors. We, we just, just couldn't manage it, but Hey, it's back now for Kamigawa neon dynasty. And uh, if you want to submit, your nicknames. The nicknames website will be live at the time that you hear this. That site will be lrr.cc slash nicknames. And you can go there and submit your suggestions for Kamigawa Neon Dynasty nicknames or upvote the ones that you like. And the most upvoted ones will be read out on the nicknames episode, which will be forthcoming in a couple weeks. So please go go do that. Um, there's already some ones I'm pretty excited about. Hmm. So that that I've heard the site's not open yet, but just that I've heard floating around the community. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing them codified by the nickname of record. <laughs> <laughs> and of course the show and everything we do is brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon, patreon.com slash loading ready run. And you thank you this. all so, so much. We really appreciate it until next time. I have been Graham joined by Cameron uh-huh. and Nelson also here. Paul's been running tech. Heather gets these online. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.